0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you, that wallet of yours, and the whole idea, the goal being for you to be empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. And our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Coming up later, so many people at work feel like there's no love being shown to them. So what does that mean? What do people actually expect? What do you expect from a place you work? If you're a boss, what's making your people gripey? We're going to talk about that. So I have had more questions in the last few months about regular IRAs, what are known as traditionals, and Roth IRAs than ever before. And that's because of a federal law called the Secure Act that brought about a lot of changes in how retirement accounts work, how they're taxed, how they can be inherited, and all that. So I wanted to explain just briefly something that people have found very confusing. So a lot of us, particularly if we've been saving for a while, we have what's known as a traditional IRA, one where money went in that hadn't been taxed yet, and it grows all through the years, and then when you're older and you want to spend money, you pay tax on everything in the account, everything you put in plus everything that money's earned all through the years. Well, there's enormous incentives right now with the changes the SECURE Act brought about And that tax rates are lower than they're going to be in the future, no doubt, because the massive budget deficits we're running, there's no way tax rates aren't going up. Or did I say that? That was said like a double negative. Tax rates are going to go up because we're not disciplined enough as a country to cut our spending enough and we can't run trillion dollar deficits. So the net effect is taxes, relatively speaking, are a deal compared to where they're going to be. So there's a big advantage for you, if you can afford it, to start converting money. You don't have to do it all, all in a day, year, you know, take it, do it over time, where you steadily move money from a traditional to a Roth, what happens is you have to pay tax on that money that was never paid, but then that money becomes tax-free for the rest of your life. Also, another change in the SECURE Act, it's really helpful if you have money that outlives you, that loved ones inherit a Roth IRA rather than a traditional. So you have to have good problems here. You have to have saved money. You have to have money available that you can pay the tax. And if you can do those two things, you got money, you can pay the tax, you got money you saved, all that, then come up with a plan. And maybe it takes you 10 years, but steadily move money from being traditional To Roth. The exception to this are people who make massive amounts of money. That's people who make more than $350,000 a year. That's almost no one. Everybody else will see clear benefit from taking traditional IRA money and popping it over into a Roth. Jamie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jamie.
1: Hey, Clark, it's a real pleasure and honor to be able to speak with you.
0: Well, great to have you here, Jamie, and congratulations. you got a daughter who's done with school, huh?
1: Yeah, well, it's one of those uh, mixed congratulations. I'm great she finally got through. It took her six and a half years. But now, of course... Well, how long did it take John Belushi
0: in Animal House? Was it 12 years (laughs) or something? What did it take him? So six and a half is not terrible.
1: Well, no, it isn't. <laughs> so, but as a result, you know, we're paying tuition. She's accumulated some debt. And so she's, she's now got over over $30,000 in debt. And even with that, we've been, my wife and I, we've been paying some of the tuition just to try and keep that down. But now the debt is due. And she's, she got noticed, I think it's a little over 7%. You know, so I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to try and finance it. All right, so first,
0: first things first. She must not have taken advantage of federal student loans that for the last several years the interest rates were down in the threes, fixed. If she's at seven, she must have gone into private student loans, which are only a last resort, never a first. That's a pretty high rate. Yeah, yeah, it
1: is. And the payment is a pretty high payment, so, and she doesn't have any credit, you know, because... I was thinking, well, you know, you can go to a bank and maybe get some money, you know, at a four or five percent rate, but she's got no credit, so her credit score is, is terrible, so her rate would be high on that. Now well, wait, wait, wait. wait. Her how could her think credit of a home equity loan.
0: Now let's talk you know, for a minute.
1: Yeah, one at four percent. Um but then it really cements us to this to her Loan.
0: Right, you know, loan right, you. right. So she should take responsibility. What is her degree in? What kind of work is she going to be doing?
1: Uh, she's going to be doing uh, social services and, and uh, counseling in social services settings. And
0: Speaking does she have a job
1: different. yet? Uh, she's a waitress.
0: So she hadn't been able to find a job using no, what she studied no, yet. Yeah. No. Okay, that's a that's a tough burden. Um, how aggressively is she looking for a job
1: um you know i think she, i think now <laughs> now that she saw the price tag i think that's going to be an incentive for her but she's in maine you know and maine is not a it's not a big labor market up there and and uh, so i think i think she'll i think she'll try but uh, you know she might she's going to need some help along the way for sure
0: yeah so um maine you know has the oldest population in the united states if I remember right, the oldest average population, and there's enormous need for people with her skill set in senior facilities and involved with aging. Uh And that may be an area she hasn't looked at with the degree she's gotten the skill set she has, but I would definitely encourage her to look in that area as a potential employment. She's looking at monthly payments of what about 275 a month is that what it is? yeah I think that's uh,
1: I, I think that's about what it came out and, wow
0: that was uh, quick waitress. math in my head okay so uh, even if she's working as a waitress till she finds what she wants to do she can come up with 275 a
1: month yeah, yeah.
0: and I do not want you to take on this as your responsibility. I think you said it yourself a minute ago. You said when she saw what her payment was going to be, it got her more focused on a career. <laughs> that's true. So I think I think you don't ride to the rescue here. You yeah, know, you, well, that's, you indulge that's her my thinking. You indulge her six and a half years in school and at two hundred and seventy five a month, she can make that happen. Okay. And let her be responsible for these so i would not
1: look at i would not we're still going to want to be a safety net for in the event something happens but I, i think you're right we'll just say go out and see if you can find a good job that pays more than waitressing
0: but even as a waitress that's not a hall pass for you to make those minimum payments for her she should be making those i the discipline needs to start with her because if you just come not as a backstop like you just described, but instead you're in first position, then there's never a sense of urgency on her part to take ownership of the loans and be the one who's paying on them. I think she needs that discipline in order to get her moving towards, hey, I really got to get going on getting this job. And let her try that senior thing I talked about and see if that – generates any job leads for her best to her justin joins us on the clark howard show hi justin
2: hey clark how you doing
0: great thank you justin you got a car that seems to be a money pit huh
2: well no not quite yet it's actually been quite reliable but i'm wondering is there a certain percentage of a car's value where you should stop putting money into it. I I have a, a five-year-old hybrid vehicle that has proven very reliable for me with 120,000 miles. And here's the car. I'll be driving about 30,000 miles a year. And the dealership has said to me that its battery may need replacing soon. And it has a sticker value of $3,000. And the value of the car is only between seven dollars and $8,000. And I was wondering... You know, considering the amount of miles I drive, if it was worth putting into.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, the dealer telling you that the battery pack in a hybrid is, you know, only has so much life remaining. I would say drive it and let's see. Because I've had hybrids over the years. I've never had a hybrid battery pack degrade. Okay. And which hybrid do you have?
2: I have a Toyota Prius.
0: So the Prius batteries have proven to be enormously reliable. You don't have okay. the plug-in, the Prime. You have the regular hybrid, right?
2: Correct, correct. Yeah. yeah,
0: you drive that thing and let them prove to you there's something wrong with that battery till you do anything about replacing it.
2: Okay, but in general, do you find a percentage where you should no longer make repairs on vehicles? Yeah, when the, the cost car? of the
0: repair exceeds the remaining value of the vehicle, that would be the point at which you say, I give up.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Fantastic. I appreciate it. But
0: I know of no history of people's battery packs and the hybrids, Prius hybrids, deteriorating and failing at any great rate at an early mileage cycle. They tend to last well more than a decade.
2: I was told that the average is about 137 miles, and uh, I was approaching that quickly, and so I just wanted some idea of uh, how to handle that when the time arises.
0: Well, now that you've said that, Justin, we're going to hear from Prius owners who say, I don't know what they're talking about. I have 500,000 miles on my Prius and things like that, because that is news to me that you would be told that there's premature fail or wear on those hybrid batteries. If you look online and just look around what people are saying about it, you'll see that if that was ever to happen to somebody's Prius, it would be a very odd, unusual circumstance.
2: Okay. Well, great. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. You enjoy that thing. Craig is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Craig. How you doing?
3: doing well, Clark. How are you today?
0: Great, thank you. You're going on
3: a trip. I am going on a trip, and I booked it uh, maybe two, three months ago. And I've been checking the rates. It seemed to keep dropping, but it's already a paid in advance. So, do I have any, I don't know, recourse or can I, not recourse, but can I ask say, to lower the rates or how does something like that work?
0: What part of the trip did you pay in advance
3: for? I think it was the entire trip. The
0: entire hotel. Oh, just the hotel part. So a hotel stay. Okay. So just for future reference, when I book a trip far in advance, I always book the hotel as a refundable hotel or one that you don't, you just give a credit card guarantee and you generally will have, depending on whether it's resort destination or city destination, you'll have a two to seven day window before travel to cancel without any obligation and the reason yeah. I do that is that hotels when you book far in advance tend to have a higher price that they're offering you than they offer much closer if they're not going to be full. So if, you, so if I have the booking hotel ends up full I've already got my room that I booked without risk way ahead of time but then much closer. When I reshop, I'd say probably at least eighty to ninety percent of the time rates have dropped. It can even be at the same property. And I drop to a lower price. But if you paid in full, it depends on the terms and conditions whether you have a right to rebook. Did you book at a hotel booking site or at the hotel's own reservation site? Like how'd you book it?
3: At the hotel site.
0: All right, so... exactly
3: with the hotel.
0: And was it uh, advance purchase non-refundable, or was it just an advance purchase?
3: I'm not sure what the terms and conditions were. I did not look at them. All right, so if you... I just if know you the total up, amount. Right, so if you
0: pull up your old confirmation, it should disclose in it what the terms and conditions are of the booking. So the room, I'm guessing, is cheaper now.
3: It is cheaper, yes.
0: How much difference is there from before?
3: It went from let's say about thirteen hundred to nine hundred. Oh man! So roughly four hundred.
0: Oh man! You're looking at that four hundred <laughs> bucks. It could so be great in your own pocket, right? Absolutely. All right. Call reservations. Give them your booking number. Try to find that confirmation first and read it. And okay, whatever it, it says, you just call up and you say, hey, you know, I booked this way in advance. I see the rate's cheaper now. I'd like to rebook to the cheaper rate. Just that's all you say. Okay. Because uh, mm-hmm. even even if they say it was, you know, advanced purchase, non-refundable, they may be willing in a case like this to give you, you know, rebook it or give you some value for a future stay or give you some freebies while you're there, something to get value for you having been loyal enough to book way in advance at a specific
3: property okay i'll try that
0: and just remember my rule when you book more than a month out always book a rate that you have the ability to get out of it's my pleasure to welcome you to the clark howard show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and never let anybody rip you off Our website's Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. I think as a business owner, the most important thing I have as a responsibility is to make sure that people who work for one of my companies are treated well and are hurt. And there are different things that can be considered to be treated well. But the truth, most employers aren't very good at genuinely, truly appreciating the people who work for them. But let me tell you, it is the ultimate ultimate way that you will, let's be selfish for you as a business owner, The ultimate way that you're going to have a more successful business is when you value the people who work for you. What I used to call, you romance the people who work for you so they'll romance the customers you're serving. And so you can't really use that word romance anymore in a work environment, so that's why I don't say that anymore. The point was not romance in a traditional sense. It was just how you treat people. And a lot of companies pay at lip service. I mean, I think about how much we value our employees. That's just like when you call a place for customer no service and they say how much they value your business and then leave you on hold for a day and a half. I mean, it's, in the, it's not in the words, it's in the actions. What do you do to let your employees know that they are truly valued. And to me, the most important thing in the free enterprise system and capitalism is interests have to be aligned. And that is, how do you make sure that your employees know that they benefit from the success you have as a business? And I know old schoolers will say, well, I pay them a check. Isn't that enough? No, that's not enough. And I know that this is a hard concept for some people, but a lot of workers now want to know that what they're doing to earn a paycheck also has a societal benefit, that there's good that comes from it, that the simple act of helping somebody make money is not enough. People need to be fulfilled. And it's not necessarily a paycheck. Now, all that I just said was geared towards employers. So I want you to think about something, because most of us are not employers, we're employees working for somebody. The place you're working, what are they doing to truly show that you matter? What are they doing to make it a pleasant place to work? Are they... Treating you right in the ways that are important to you. If not, take advantage of this strong job market and go find a place where they don't say they value you. They really do. Andrew's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew.
3: Hey, Clark. How are you?
0: Great. Thank you. How can I serve you, Andrew?
3: Um, my fiance and I are getting married in 10 months. And um, Congratulations we... to both of you. Thank you. Um, We use our cards from our bank that just withdraw from our account, and um, we're looking to build credit using uh, credit cards and potentially also pay for our airline flights for our uh, honeymoon, and we were wondering what is the
2: best card for that.
0: So neither you nor your fiancé have any existing credit? Yes. So you're starting from scratch. Yes, sir. So don't worry at all about what kind of rewards or whatever you might earn buying airline tickets. Right now, we got to get you into credit with training wheels. We got to get okay. you going with that because when you have no prior established record of credit, you've got to start with a program where they'll let you establish credit, such as going to a credit union. And are either of you a member of a credit union yet?
3: Yes, we both are. We're not with the same one. Oh, you're not with the same one. Well, that's
0: actually an advantage here because one may offer and the other not. What's often referred to as a Fresh Start program. Okay. And with a Fresh Start, you post a certain amount of money in a CD or a savings account, and then they'll establish a Visa or MasterCard with you. Now, the advantage of doing a fresh start with a credit union versus what you may have heard about in the past with a secured card, most of the credit union programs issue you a regular Visa or MasterCard and tie the limit into what you have on deposit, but they don't report it or treat it as a secured card. And after a period of time of on-time payments, you're then released from having to have any money on deposit specifically to back up the Visa or MasterCard you have. Okay. So that's the best way, and the reason the credit union Fresh Start programs are so great versus anything else out there in terms of secured cards, secured cards tend to come with very high fees, which you will not have with the credit union. So each of you should check with the credit union you're each a member of, Okay. and see what they would require to issue you a visa or mastercard and if one has a credit union that does it and the other the other credit union doesn't then you both just join the credit union that that does allow that and each get a fresh start visa or mastercard
3: okay so we need we don't even worry about the other ones that do offer rewards
0: no don't even that's down the road Okay. Right now you just gotta get established with credit.
3: All right, thank you very
0: much. Sure. And where are you thinking you want to go for your honeymoon?
3: Uh I think we want to go to the Bahamas, I think. Okay.
0: All right. Well, wherever you end up, if it's fun in the sun, instead of just saying Bahamas, think any place fun in the sun where you can get a deal. Okay. And that way you widen your choice and you might find a a great price somewhere you haven't even thought of. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David.
4: Hi, Clark. I first would like to thank you for the great advice you and your team provide. I started listening to you after we moved to Florida, and now that we have moved to Finland, thanks to your podcast, you are still on our dial.
0: Wow, you're living in Finland? Yes, in Helsinki. I love Helsinki. My wife and I had such a phenomenally great time in Finland, I can't even tell you. What a wonderful place you live, and I hope that you are loving your life there, and how you live through December, January, and February in Finland, I have no idea.
4: (laughs) Well, from Florida, we got used to it, unfortunately, but uh, there are a lot of uh, also nice things besides the, the bad weather here. <laughs> well, how can I be of service to you? I will briefly uh, tell you what happened to us uh, last summer and uh, why I am uh, concerned that it might happen again uh, next Monday. Uh, basically, last summer we flew to Brazil and our one of our bags was delayed several days. Uh, Despite my complaint, all we got was a toiletry kit and an airline-sponsored T-shirt. And then on our way back, they managed to lose one bag and delay the other two weeks. So complaining to the airline uh, proved to be not an easy task since their communication channel was either a 200-character web form or an extremely expensive toll phone number. They first replied that we should complain to the MSC, and then they offered us a discount coupon for a new bag, and finally, after weeks of negotiation, we settled for a 500 euros and a new bag. And I'm now worried of a déjà vu for my wife and son that are coming back next Monday from Rome because the airline has texted me 2 days ago and that inbound flights could be canceled or delayed for several hours.
0: All right, well, let me tell you something that you have access to now that you're living in Europe that we don't have access to in the United States, and that is there are very strict rules governing compensation for flights to and from and within Europe where you can hire... And most people do in order to assert their rights. You can hire a third party company to handle your claim for you, and they take a portion of the compensation, but they are so good at getting, being your advocate and getting the compensation out of the airline that you were supposed to receive. And you probably have seen or heard of these organizations since you are living in Europe again.
4: Oh, yes. A friend of mine told me about uh, a website that, for a fee, could have handled the issue with the airlines on my behalf. No doubt you should. And in such case, is there a particular one that you suggest?
0: You know, I, I would go with recommendations from friends and colleagues because I'm not knowledgeable enough to be able to tell you which one of these would be the most effective and who does the best job in Europe. So you got to go by word of mouth on that. And even when you hear from people, I, I use these people, they got me money, I use these other people, they were terrible to deal with, that you go read online reviews, see what people are saying and figure out who would be best to use. Hopefully everything will go just fine, but if their flight does get all messed up, you'll be able to get the compensation you're supposed to get. And, you know, in the United States, every attempt to have a true airline passenger bill of rights has been lobbied out in the Congress and it has not happened. There there are things you do have rights to and you'll never be able to get them out of a US airline here in the US. But if you take a US airline to Europe, They're then bound by the European rules and you're eligible for all the compensation just as if you were a European. There's a company in the U.S. you can use for travel within the U.S. and other places called GetService.com. They're the only one I know of that's an equivalent to what you've got in Europe, David, which is really the way you should handle anything that pops up with your wife's trip and hopefully it will go a-okay and you won't need any of that and we're speaking now with Laurie. Hello Laurie. how are you doing today? Good how are you doing Clark? Great thank you. So Lori I love what you're about to ask me.
1: <laughs> Good so I would like to start a new morning routine where I go online and I Find out what the latest news is nationally, locally, and around the world. And I can't seem to find a good website that provides news that's relevant and nonpartisan, fact based, and gives the whole story. But I thought you might have some recommendations for me.
0: Well, uh, are you ready to exhaust yourself just listening to me about this?
1: <laughs> because. I'm ready.
0: Because I read, on a typical day, I read four to six hours of content.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And I start each day with the Financial Times of London, which in my world is the best financial publication that exists. And so I I read things that are so ridiculously dull. And it's funny, you know, we meet... (laughs) every day before the show and we talk about ideas and I'll have something that I brought in and I'm getting these blank stares. Why does this story (laughs) matter to anybody? And then I'll explain it and they're like, oh, okay. And so I I dig deep into what's behind the scenes and not not the spin you're hearing or anything like that. So that is my number one read. That is... Uh, my wife calls it one of my girlfriends, Is the Financial Times. Now, okay. Another of my girlfriends is the Wall Street Journal, which I read every day. And their sister publication, Barron's, which I read every weekend, because Barron's is a once a week. Okay. I read um, Bloomberg throughout the day. I read Business Week every week that it comes out. I read Consumer uh-huh. Reports every month, and I'll hit you quickly with the newspapers that I look at online every day, okay. and I I can tell you what they are because I'm such a creature of habit. I read the okay. LA Times, New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, Kansas City Star, the uh, Post Intelligencer from Seattle, the Orlando Sentinel the houston chronicle the sun sentinel newspaper from south florida i read the new york post and the dallas morning news the detroit free press the detroit news both so i know what's going on in the car business and Mm -hmm. market watch and then i read a bunch of blogs as well in different categories i read blogs in the automotive industry the electronics industry and I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Travel, if I didn't mention that, I read a lot of travel stuff. And so I am a news junkie. I don't read any opinion pieces at all. I have no interest in somebody trying to tell me why I should believe a different, uh, this slant or that slant or the other. I only wanna read information that I can absorb that broadens my base of knowledge in the area that i'm interested in which is only the wallet and do you know by the way Lori? outside of that i am the most ignorant person you have ever met i cannot tell you anything about show business movies television music popular culture i mean i'm just dull
1: well, I don't think you have time to, to learn about all that when you spend four to six hours reading
0: all that other stuff. <laughs> and Oh, and I don't watch television at all except for NFL football.
1: Wow. I could do that too, not watch TV.
0: Yeah, so so uh, can you imagine how did I ever find somebody who wanted to marry me as dull as I am? <laughs> but my wife just didn't know any better, and that's how we've been married Almost 23 years. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.